Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke. Uh, back this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. Unexpected. Um, was not expecting to have Corey on until the end of August, but it looks like she's going to be around, guys. So I hope everyone's cool with that. Um, I know the dulcet sounds of Birkenfield for 30 minutes was entertaining, but <laughs> having a conversation with someone is just more appealing to me. So uh, welcome back. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here. And were you able to uh, watch our movie for this week? No, I showed up completely unprepared. I'm kidding. <laughs> of course I did. And the movie for this week's episode, if you uh, listened to last week's episode, you'll know, is Catherine Bigelow's Point Break, um, a film that I'd never seen. Have you ever seen it, Corey? I thought that I hadn't, but watching it, I must have when I was a kid, but, you know, I remembered images from it. Yeah, and I kind of feel like I'm in the same boat. I knew I'd seen clips like clips from it, and I, I thought I might have tried to watch it as a kid, but maybe didn't from beginning to end. And I definitely didn't remember all of it, um, but... You know, the, some of those big sequences are are seen on all sorts of, like, top ten lists and top five, you know, things. And it's in Hot Fuzz. Um, at least the uh, the iconic scene of Keanu Reeves aiming the gun at Patrick Swayze and then, well, at the guy with the Reagan mask and then shooting in the air rather than shooting at the guy. Um, that scene is uh, not only in Hot Fuzz, but it's replicated in Hot Fuzz as well. Um, so I was familiar with it, but watching it was... Uh, it was, well, we'll get into what it was in a little bit, I guess. Um, what we're going to do first, uh, we're not going to spend too much time on what else we've been watching, although um, I know you've been to the theater a couple times since the last episode. You've seen Dunkirk, um, Valerian, and something else? Or is that it? Ghost Story. Oh, and a ghost story, duh. I knew that. Three movies in, like, the span of four days. Go me. But it seems like two weeks to our listeners who haven't heard from you in a while. So. Okay. Um, but, uh, of those three, Dunkirk, A Ghost Story, and Valerian, which was your favorite? Oh, that's so hard. I can't choose that. It's Valerian. That's okay. Gross! Uh, Boo! I've never wanted to walk out of a movie, really, that I can remember. Um, except for the others, like, a million years ago, because I was very confused about what I got myself into. Uh, which I love that movie, by the way. But um, I loved both Dunkirk and A Ghost Story, but it would depend on what kind of mood I'm in. They were both amazing. So, And in an odd way, they did share um, a quality. They're both very uh, tonally, um, you know, um, not, oh, I can't think of the word I'm wanting to say, but, like, you, you get immersive, tonally immersive. That's what I was trying to say. Yes. Um, like, the b- both with sound really or in ghost story sometimes lack of sound but the music is very um consuming uh, in both movies and i so i um we've already briefly talked about this and i'm not trying to hijack but um i didn't even think about it and i've talked about it with you and a few other people now but i hadn't even thought about it when i was watching dunkirk and then um our cousin asked well how um gory is it oh. and i hadn't even thought about that but the, I can only remember one scene that had blood, um, so if anyone's staying away from it because of reasons like that, don't do that, because that's not what you're really expecting. Yeah. Um, and I loved the soundtrack so much. I um, was anxious, but in a good way, like, along with our characters because of the soundtrack, so way to go, Hans Zimmer. And then yeah. with A Ghost Story... I loved so much 
that they included like the sounds of the house. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the creaking and like uh like popping and stuff if you've ever been in like an older house you definitely know what i'm talking about with like a house settling um but yeah way to go well i've um i've watched a few movies i saw the dark tower last night oh um yeah and that's about the right reaction um i have to say though i've never read the book so i have no affiliation to the story um it did make me want to read the book because i was very interested in idris elba's character the gunslinger uh, Roland, to be exact. Um, and so I am considering getting into those books. I didn't realize how, like, do you know how many books there are, Corey? My brother used to read them. So I, I would go, I would guess like six to 10, probably. I feel like there's like That's, eight to 10, actually. Uh, seven, actually, is, I believe, seven. the correct number. And then I think there's a couple of like side books, like spinoffs, but not with the main character. Um, mm -hmm. And they span, though, the, the most interesting thing to me over the last. Uh, the first book I think was from 1987 and um, there's a big gap from like 97 to like 2008 or something where there's no books so there's oh. like four books and then there's a long gap and then there's like three books um, that all came out in the, the 2000s and so I, I'm considering getting into those because I did enjoy Idris Elba's character but the movie overall is, is a weak movie um, it's a weak film and that again has I have no affiliation to the source material, so I'm not one of those people who are just mad because it's not the books. It's just not a good movie. They, the, it feels rushed at times where it shouldn't, and it drags at times where it shouldn't. There are some moments. The first 30 minutes of the film feel like it takes forever. It's a 92-minute movie, and that first half hour feels like it's two hours. So, um, Well, I was kind of surprised because I know that a lot of the um, movies that are adapted from Stephen King books, and they're not even series, but they're usually made into mini-series, and they're very long. So I was really surprised when I saw that they had tried to condense all of this into an hour and a half because I don't feel like well, that ever happens. My understanding, it's like two books. Um, oh, okay. Uh, and not a full two books, but the other issue, um, my understanding of the book series is that the main character is the gunslinger. And the movie, the kid is the main character. And um, from what I've heard from some of the other critics, that's a big issue. Um, for them, at least, because they, you know, the kid's story is kind of boring, and it's very conventional. Um, it's, you know, he's he's having these visions and blah, blah, blah. Um, and uh, I've, I honestly thought Matthew McConaughey's performance was very, very, like, cartoonish. Um, like, he was really, like, chewing the scenery as a villain. Not over the top. Like, he wasn't over the top, but it just felt... Well, maybe it was it felt like Matthew McConaughey playing a villain, and it, it didn't feel good like it wasn't like oh this is what i've been looking for um but a movie that i'd rather spend just a little bit more time talking about um is a documentary that i came across uh doing research for my curriculum for my film classes um and it's called double digits the story of a neighborhood movie star and um this guy uh he makes short movies like 30 minutes to an hour um and posts them on youtube and if I were to just show you a movie, there's a good chance you might just scoff at it or um, not not give it even a chance to finish. Just turn it off before because it, it's very low budget. He does everything with a handheld like camcorder, predominantly in his backyard or in his studio, which I'm using quote fingers and you can't see that. But his studio is his kitchen in his apartment. Um, he makes like miniatures and he makes puppets and then he does most of the acting himself. So like he might play multiple characters, but he'll have different costumes. 
And, um, but when you hear his story and what the movies mean to him and to his community, um, it's inspiring because it, it, I feel like it's humbling. It reminds you of what movies are, um, what they're meant to do, that they are a way of expressing oneself and they're a way of, uh, it doesn't have to look polished and perfect like a lot of these Hollywood films. And it's just something, um, I was, I was very taken in. It's a simple documentary again, as a, if we're looking at it just strictly as a documentary, it doesn't do anything particularly new or, uh, you know, some of the camera work's a little shaky, um, and all of that, but it, the story that it's telling is definitely one that I think all film lovers should check out. Um, I watched it on Amazon Prime, but it's not on Prime. I had to do a free trial for Comic-Con HQ. Um, it's like an add-on account for your Prime account. And um, I just, yeah, I just want people to check it out. Um, his YouTube channel, though, uh, if you look up RG Studios on YouTube, that is his YouTube channel. You can see his movies. And I think they have some, like, extra footage from the documentary on his channel at this point. But the documentary you can rent on any, like, you can rent on iTunes, Vudu, Amazon, or, again, you can subscribe to the Comic-Con HQ and watch it for free and then cancel the subscription and you won't have to pay anything for it. So there's a few ways to watch it. Um, and that that's all I'm going to get into for what I've watched. I, I'm going to get into what's coming out on uh, home video this Tuesday. Um, have you looked, Corey? Have you seen anything that's coming out this Tuesday? No. All right, well, you're in for a treat. Um, which, by the way, I'd like to take a moment before I tell you to uh, push our YouTube channel. Burke Reviews is now starting to uh, branch out into YouTube. Um, there's Weekly, I'll be doing updates, basically this segment of our show, where I just kind of talk about what's coming out on home video. And I'm going to start making a recommendation of the movies that are coming out, which one you should spend your money on. Um and then uh, some of our podcast episodes, both from uh, Movie Club, some from Top 5, and uh, The Rough Cut, our newest addition to the BurkeReviews.com website, um, are going to be going up on YouTube as well. So if you don't have a podcast preference um, and you frequently maybe have YouTube on in the background at work or something, you can listen to our podcast uh, from there. And I'm l working on a new show uh, called Film Shaming that should be coming to YouTube quite soon. But oh. for the time being... Let's get into the uh, home video releases for August 8th, 2017. Um, we'll start with Snatched. Snatched, uh, directed by Jonathan Levine, starring Amy Schumer, Goldie Hawn, Ike Barinholtz, Wanda Sykes, um, Joan Cusack's in there as well. Um, I saw this movie. Uh, it's It's got good moments. Um, Amy Schumer doesn't have many, but the, some of the other casts oh. are quite funny. Um, I'm trying to think of the, uh, the actor's name who I thought was really, really funny. He played... Stabler on Law and Order SVU, and he was on Oz, and he's in a bunch of stuff. He's a good actor. Um, I can never remember his name though. I just remember him as Stabler, but uh, he's really funny and snatched. Um, Joan Cusack is hilarious. Uh, Corey, you gonna check out Snatched? Wah, wah. No. All right. Sorry. Um, I believe uh, on our top five war movies, I discussed the the film Exception. Um, that's coming out on home video on Tuesday. The Exception, uh, directed by David Laveau, I think, starring Lily James, uh, most recently in Baby Driver. Jai Courtney, who's usually not a good actor, but he does a really great job in this uh, particular film. Christopher Plummer and Eddie Marzen has a 60 on Metacritic. Um, it is during World War II. Um, a group of Nazi soldiers are sent um, to the, uh, the Netherlands, I think 
to retrieve the Kaiser, um, who is in hiding. And it's a story kind of involving him, um, a coup that is taking place where there is a uh, spy within his organization who is, um, there's a ploy afoot. And it's it's really interesting. It was very, a, a story that's based on a true story that I was unfamiliar with prior to watching The Exception, and I found it very compelling. Um, I saw when that. You... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, that's fine. What's up? Oh, I was going to say, when you talked about this on uh, one of the last uh, podcasts, it sounded very good, but I hadn't even heard of it. Yeah, well, I only heard of it because it was at the film festival that I went to, and um, I almost didn't see it at the film festival. I initially had bought a ticket for a different movie that was like an hour later, but I was tired after a week of seeing movies and decided to go to an earlier show, so I switched. Plus, um, Big Tuna, who writes for the site frequently, had already had a ticket to this one, so I figured I would just join him and check this movie out, and... I was glad that I did. Um, I ended up really enjoying it, so it worked out. Um, next, uh, coming out on Tuesday, I'm going to save that one for a minute. Um, a movie I haven't, I didn't hear much about, but uh, it did catch my attention recently. It's called The Dinner, uh, directed by Olin Moverman, starring Richard Gere, uh, Laura Linney, who I'm a fan of, Steve Coogan, and Rebecca Hall. Uh, two sets of wealthy parents meet for dinner to decide what to do about a crime their sons have committed. Um, I watched the trailer because I was really curious about what this movie was. It looks like it could be pretty good. It's got a 58 on Metacritic, so um, it's definitely got some potential. If it hits the right audience, I think that you'll enjoy it. Um, It's very suspenseful, but it's definitely going to be dialogue heavy. Uh, It appears that the Suns have done something, like some kind of crime, that the um, Steve Coogan character is unaware of, but discovers the depth of what happened during oh. this conversation at dinner and it looks it looks like it could be pretty interesting um but yeah that comes out on tuesday had you heard of I that ha- no i haven't but i had to look and it um rebecca hall is in it um and i recognized her from somewhere and she was in the town and the prestige ah yeah i think she was um christian Sarah. bale's wife in the prestige mm-hmm. i don't, i don't remember who she was in the town but I think she was the banker that they took hostage. See, I thought that was Michelle Monaghan. Maybe then I'm lying to you. The um, name, her name was Claire Kesey in it. I don't, I don't remember the name, but oh well. Um, it looks interesting. I'm a fan of Steve Coogan and Laura Linney. Um, but yeah, uh, also coming out on Tuesday, um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid: The Long Haul, uh, directed by David Bauer, starring Jason Drucker, Alicia Silverstone, Tom Everett Scott, and Charlie Wright, who is not my Roderick. Um, it's, uh, a, you know, the fourth movie of The Diary of Wimpy Kid, but with new actors in all the roles. But it's not a reboot um, in terms of the books. Like, it's it's a new book. This book had not been turned into a movie. I don't know if they acknowledge any of the past movies. I didn't see this one. Um, my daughter was a fan of the first, maybe two, and then we saw the third one kind of out of, uh, like, a, I guess, completionist mindset. And then when this one came, the trailer came out for this, she was immediately like, nope, nope, I'm done. I'm too old. And this oh. looks awful. Um, Alicia Silverstone was almost unrecognizable in the trailer, though. Um, but it had been a while since I'd seen her in anything. So, And the last release that we're going to talk about for Tuesday is King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Corey, do you know what that means? <laughs> that it's out of the box office? It's out of yeah. box office. So <laughs> it, is not it made me no point. Yeah, you, you are done with Anyways. this movie. You're the, yours is the first movie 
from the summer movie draft to come out on home video. <laughs> oh no! Now to be fair, Snatched came out about the same time, and it's also coming out on home video. But none of us had Snatched as on our list, so this is the first movie that somebody picked. That I mean, to be fair, it was it was pretty early in the summer. The only movie that came out before it was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, and that is coming out soon, but not yet. Um, They're still playing that in my theater. Yeah, it's still getting some theater play, uh, and that one might be on video before it's out of theaters, just because Disney's smart with their DVD releases. Um, they don't want it to wait. They don't want to wait too long uh, to get it in people's hands. But I, I do think it comes out this month, so um, it's not too big of a difference. But King Arthur is most likely not going to earn you any more points. Um, it is directed by Guy Ritchie, stars Charlie Hunnam, Astrid Burgess Frisbee. I'm sure Frisbee's not pronounced that way. Jude Law and oh boy. Digimon Hunsu, Hansu. I have no. I know the actor. In fact, he's in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One, but um, cannot say that dude's name. And I'm sure it's not Digimon either. That's a nerdy game type thing. Um, but nonetheless, I like King Arthur. I didn't love it. It's not great. There's definitely problems with the movie. But I thought Charlie Hunnam did a really good job. I was interested in this version of Arthur. It, it's. You know, it's not going to be for everybody. If you like Guy Ritchie movies, I say give it a try, especially at, like, a dollar rental box. You know, it's it's not going to kill you to check it out. I think it's better than the critics initially said. Um, but, again, not by much. Not It's not, like, a travesty that the critics have it under a 50. It's in the ballpark of a 50. Like, that's where it's at. So, um, not anything really amazing. I would say the exception is clearly uh, the best movie coming out on... Um, on Tuesday, so that would be what I would recommend for the Redbox and or uh, wherever you buy your movies, but um, I do say check out King Arthur, and if you're a big fan of uh, comedy, Snatch is not the worst movie by any means. It's not perfect. It's got some good moments, but overall it, it's definitely skippable. Alright, uh, Corey, are there any, what, what are you going to get from those movies? Are you going to check any of those out? Um, I would definitely rent the exception. Now I'm going to check out King Arthur, even though you picked it. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not that bad, I swear. If you like Guy Ritchie movies, it's worth a watch. All right, we got a couple movies coming out in theaters next week. Um, somehow I deleted one. Oh, no, there it is. Okay, um, I thought I deleted one off the list. Um, we got... We'll go backwards. One that I hadn't seen a trailer for still, and I'm not 100% sure it's actually coming out, but it's still listed on boxofficemojo.com. Uh, the Nut Job 2, Nutty by Nature, which was a, is a sequel of a squirrel movie voiced by Will Arnett um, oh. that I didn't see. Uh, it was not a movie that I ever had any kind of an interest in checking out. Um, it's still... Now, my... IMDb is still saying it's coming out next Friday, so um, uh, two sources are saying this movie's coming out. I don't. I have seen a lot of movies in the theater, and I've not seen a trailer for this movie. So unless it it premiered with Emoji Film, which I've not watched, Emoji Movie, um, but it's got a big cast: Will Arnett, Katherine Heigl, Maya Rudolph are the lead three. Um, Jackie Chan's in it. Oh, Jeff Denham. I'm just like, oh, Bobby Carnival. Yeah, uh, Bobby Monahan. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Dunham's in this. Okay, well, Gabriel Iglesias. Yeah, it's got a cast. Um, I don't know why I've not seen any kind of marketing for this movie. 
Um, either it's really bad or they're just expecting the built-in audience from the first movie. I don't know. Um, I think that's so. Yeah, I don't know, but it's it's coming out next week. I have not seen a trailer even for this, so this is the first time we've ever done a preview for a movie that I've I've know like nothing about the plot or anything. Um, but I'm probably not gonna see it. I still haven't seen the first one. Uh, are you gonna check it out? No, Aww. I'm. I'm yeah. You can take your cats. Don't they hate squirrels? <laughs> I don't know if they hate squirrels. I think Mabel would probably want to be their friends. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Take her. Yeah, I'll um, take but with that, there are two movies coming out next week that I am very excited about, um, and I don't really know which way to go. I, I think I want to go with the drama first, and okay. um, this movie, I'll, I'm going to start with the cast. Naomi Watts, <gasps> Woody Harrelson, Oh, okay. Brie Larson, and we, I'm... do you know what movie? Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's Glass Castle? Yes, The Glass Castle. I am I, excited about this movie. I um, couldn't watch the trailer very well because I was at work, but um, my friend said that she was really excited about this one because she loves the book. And I read like the, you know, the plot and, or, you know, and it sounds really interesting. And I would like to see Woody Harrelson and Naomi Watts in these types of roles. So. Well, Destin Daniel Cretton. I'm not sure if I'm saying the last name right, is the director, and he directed Short Term 12, which also stars Brie Larson, that I'm a big fan of. And last I checked, that was still on Netflix. Um, and I highly recommend watching that movie. Um, so, you know, the, we got a capable director. We have three actors who I'm a I'm fan, definitely a fan of, especially Woody Harrelson. Um, the premise is interesting, too. It's a young girl comes comes of age in a dysfunctional family of nonconformist nomads with a mother who's an eccentric artist and an alcoholic father who would stir the children's imagination with hope as a distraction to their poverty. Um, and then, so you get two sides of the story. You get her as a kid growing up in this situation, but then you get her as an adult and her confronting her parents about the life that they gave her. Um, and she's made something of herself from the trailer. Like, she's definitely not in the poverty situation anymore and her parents are still living that way they're still um squatting in houses and things like that it looks like it's going to be emotional but there's also going to be some lessons that can be learned it is a Lionsgate film um which is interesting too because that's not usually uh their type of movie um so i mean they, they do a lot but they are definitely associated with horror i think a little more than anything else but um which is a mistake now that i say it out loud because they've done a lot of other movies but um. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that one out. Are you interested in that at all, Corey? I am very interested, and my friend wants to go, so I'll definitely be seeing that one in theaters. All right, now the other one, the questionable oh. one, but not too questionable. Um, Annabelle Creation. Yeah. Now, hold on. There's only four critic reviews right now on Metacritic, but right now, sitting at a 71 on Metacritic which is really, really high for a horror film in general. Um, and when you look at Annabelle, which came out a few years ago, um, I believe that is sitting in the 30s. Um, I'm checking to confirm my, my state. Yeah, 37. So this, this prequel slash sequel is sitting at a 71 right now. Again, it's only four oh. critics. So it has plenty of room to go down if, it, if that's just a fluke. But the buzz that's circulating is that Annabelle Creation is a genuinely horrifying movie. 
It's sitting at just one hour and 49 minutes. Um, and it's the creation of this doll. If you've seen um, if you've seen The Conjuring or if you've seen Annabelle, you know what doll I'm talking about. Uh, it is directed this time by David F. Sandberg. You know who that is, Corey? Um, I was just looking it up. And so I didn't, but now I do. He directed Lights Out. He directed Lights Out, both the short and then the feature length that came out last year. I've been a fan of Lights Out for a few years. I found it a few years ago on YouTube, the short, and I showed it to my classes. Um, I made a couple of my students cry. I didn't know how bad horror movies would affect them. Um, some kids do not like horror movies, it turns out. But um, my, the reason I showed it, I was so impressed because it's such a simple premise in the short. It's, it all takes place in basically two rooms. You have a hallway and a bedroom. And it's 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 all atmospheric and tone. Uh, it's very tone established. With um, you know, she turns the light out and you can see a silhouette down the hallway. She turns the light back on; it's gone. Turns it off; silhouette's still there. It happens a few times, and on the fourth or fifth one, it's in, it's right next to where the switch is. And she turns the light back on. She runs, hides under her covers. It's really great, and the, the way it builds and the way it goes, and it's so simple. That's why I showed it. Was look how simple this idea is and how effective it is at the same time. This is something that we could easily do. Um, and not to downplay it, but it, you know, sometimes my kids want to make Transformers when we have no way to do that, you know. And this was like, look how simple this could be done. Because, um, and then uh, like a year later, I heard, hey, they're doing a feature, and the guy's getting to direct. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. So I went last year to support it, and I loved it. I saw it too in theaters. And it was... it... Um, I don't. I liked it a lot. I don't. I didn't love it as much as you did, but um, as far as the horror movies that we usually get, it was pretty good. Yeah, and um, I, I enjoyed and it, it very creepy. much. Say again? Oh, and it was creepy. Yeah. It definitely succeeded on that. And so when I heard that he was doing Annabelle, I was excited. Um, interesting, he was at an episode of Doug Loves Movies. Not as a guest, he came in the audience um, and brought the Annabelle doll with him. And Doug, what? Yeah, and Doug talked to him and was like, awesome. like, that's that's a pretty uh, good looking doll of Anna, Annabelle, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm the director." And Doug's like, "What?" <laughs> so that's awesome. Uh, uh, he never mentioned Lights Out, and I was like, "You dude, you gotta tell him what other movie you've done because no. Doug's, yeah, tell but, yourself." Um, it was pretty funny, and if you haven't seen Lights Out, I highly recommend that. And because of that, and only really because of that, I'm planning on going to see Annabelle. Now, I try to see as many of the movies that come out just so I can review them and stuff. Um, even though I have skipped a few, especially that some of the more kid-oriented ones, I find it a little awkward to go to a kid film um, as a film critic if my daughter won't go, and she's a teenager now. So cartoons that aren't like kind of a hybrid, you know, like Pixar films, she'll go to because a lot of the Pixar films have adult themes built into them, and so she doesn't feel like they're childish. But like Emoji Movie, Despicable Me Three, she is not into, and so I haven't seen those. Um, but I was going to see Annabelle for that reason. But I'm actually going in because of who the director is. And the the other critics are up on it. So I'm looking forward to it. And I pulled it up on Rotten Tomatoes. And it has 15 reviews so far. And it's at a 100% there. Which, again, just to clarify the difference uh, for the listeners. If you're not familiar with Rotten Tomato versus Metacritic. Why I prefer Metacritic. I used to be Rotten Tomatoes first. Um, but Rotten Tomatoes just says that every critic who has seen it right now at 100% have given it a positive review, but that positive uh, is like 60% or higher. So they could oh. all be 60%, but they're all positive, so it's 100. Where Metacritic is an average of the scores. So if 
you know, 71 says that the people who have seen it have been averaging a 71, which it would be a C if you're a teacher like me. So a C is good. That's a good score for a film. Um, it's not a great score, but it's a good score. And to be fair, to give some perspective, Wonder Woman had a 76 Metacritic. Um, so 70 is a really positive score because most people have that I've talked to really liked Wonder Woman. And that's where the critics are. Now, Dunkirk, last I looked, I think it was 92 on Metacritic. Um, and that's like one of those films that um, is a marvel of production. Uh, some people are down on it for certain reasons. But as far as production goes, it is like a masterpiece. Like, And that's really one of Nolan's things. It's, he may not give you the most intricate story or he might make the story look more complex by cutting it into segments and, and showing you different aspects at different times. But he will show it to you in a way that is always brilliantly done. Um, and that's Dunkirk all the way around. Um, so just to give some perspective on those differences, I do, there's been some debate recently about Rotten Tomatoes and if it's destroying uh, the theater experience that people aren't going to movies because of low Rotten Tomatoes. Well, a lot of that's propaganda by the films that have been uh, on the negative side. Like most recently, the emoji movie at sitting at a zero for three or four days and then jumping up to 7%, I think, is where it stopped. Um, Sony kind of blamed Rotten Tomatoes for uh, people not going to see it. It's like, well, maybe people just saw past your bullcrap marketing ploy, Sony. Your movie's about emojis. Come on. Let's let's try harder. Um, yeah. And I'm, it's not even like it has a great score on IMDb. It's, it, no, it's got you know a 1.5 I mean? from fans. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's... Yeah, so I'm... Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes is not a be-all, end-all. And again, even a critic, I don't think any film critic worth their salt will tell you that you should 100% listen to them. They are giving their opinion of a film, and the idea, to me, is you find a critic who you tend to agree with, and that's who you listen to as a gauge of your taste. Um, and I, like, I have that with David and Tyler from Battleship Pretension. I don't agree with either one of them all the time. But there are certain movies that we tend to see eye to eye with. So when they like something and it's a, it's a premise that I'm interested in, I'm like, oh, great. I really want to see that for sure because we tend to like those type of movies. It makes perfect sense. But um, uh, the, the Rotten Tomato score gives you an indicator of if everybody hates it. Yeah, there's a good chance that you're, you're not going to like it if you often agree with critics. But if you usually disagree with critics... Like, if your favorite movies are Transformers and Fast and the Furious, you don't tend to agree with the critics' perspective of what a good movie is. So maybe you should check out a Moji movie. I'm just saying, you know? T.J. Miller was in Transformers Age of Extinction and is the lead in a Moji movie. So, you know, check it out, Transformer fans. Um, I'm going to get some hate for that. All right, let's get into our review oh. for the week. Um we're going to be talking about Point Break. Uh, we're going to start with a general kind of overview. Um, it is, again, directed by Catherine Bigelow, who is uh, directing the film Detroit that came out today when we're recording this, which is August 4th. Um, I will have seen Detroit before you hear from me again, but I have not seen it yet. Um, because I'd, I've never seen any of her films, I decided to check out her first big film, which was Point Break. Um, and I am hoping to check out Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty over the next week or two. But um, Point Break stars Patrick Swayze, Keanu Reeves, Gary Busey, um, and there's a couple other people. Oh, Lori Petty. Lori Petty. Uh, John C. McGinley, who I didn't realize had been acting as long as he has, um, 
because he's very funny to me. Um, not so much in this movie, but um, there's another guy I recognized. Oh, Anthony Kiedis was in it. I didn't even realize that. Um, yeah, he was one of the bad guys. Interesting. And uh, Lee Turgeson, um, I know from, um, what was he in? He was in a TV show. Oh, he's in Wayne's World. And then he was in Weird Science, the TV series, uh, which I did watch, actually. And then I think he was in something recently. I'm looking now. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, uh, the film is about Keanu Reeves. He's really the lead. His name is Johnny Utah, which I thought was one of the worst names I've ever heard. Because um, <laughs> I don't feel like Utah is a last name. But... Um, an FBI agent goes undercover to catch a gang of servers who may be bank robbers. Um, Johnny Utah is a new guy on the force. He's paired up with Gary Busey, who plays Papas, which I did not realize that's what he was saying the whole time. Um, and <laughs> after a bank robbery involving uh, the ex-presidents, four guys in ex-presidents masks, rob a bank, um, they're assigned to it. And Gary Busey reveals that uh, this has been happening for a while, like for a couple years. Um, they only hit during the summers, and they've robbed, like, 23 banks, and they've left no clues, and blah, blah, blah. Um, he tells Johnny Utah that he thinks they're surfers, and he explains his theory, and he, Utah buys in on it and decides to go undercover as a surfer to try to, like, you know, sniff these guys out. And uh, that's the o overall premise. I will say that um, I found the movie enjoyable, for sure. Uh, I didn't think it was amazing or, you know game-changing I, I thought the performances were good all around i actually thought patrick swayze was really pretty great in this movie um i definitely He's always great john yeah you know i don't know <laughs> i've skipped a lot of swayze movies i mean i saw donnie darko um obviously dirty dancing i've seen more times than i can count um and then uh i i've never watched roadhouse i think i've seen clips of it i saw ghost when i was a kid but i definitely didn't appreciate it because i was a kid and it's a love story so i don't think i had any interest in ghost um yeah i don't know what else i've seen him in to be honest now right i haven't really seen a whole lot of his movies either but i mean he is patrick swayze true true uh <laughs> that is that is definitely true well um and uh, you know gary Busey is not quite totally insane but definitely early stages of crazy Busey uh visible in this movie <laughs> um <laughs> But I, I found it enjoyable. What about you? Uh, same. Okay. That was a lot more hesitating <laughs> than... Uh, uh, than because what... I will say that it wasn't quite what I was expecting. Okay. Um, okay. I guess, I mean... I like I... to keep it real short and sweet and then, like, elaborate later. That makes sense. You know, yeah. I like to, like, keep one word, but I couldn't do that with this one. Um, okay, well, let's get into spoilers, and we'll get right into this. Corey? Okay, guys, if you haven't seen Point Break and you don't like spoilers, go give it a watch, and then come back and listen. If you don't really care, we'll steam ahead, but we will be talking about this movie in great detail from this point forward. All right, um, I really like the chase scene when he chases uh, Swayze as in the Ro Ronald Reagan mask um, to that point, that climactic point where they, he falls into the uh, the big, like water ditch ditch thing yeah. which that's been in tons of mo california movies right it's in terminator 2 um in other movies that i can't think of now uh greece no there's a race in something like that in greece i don't remember 
um, what city that they're in in Greece. But, you know, um, but yeah, so he falls, he hurts his knee. Patrick Swayze or Ronald Reagan is climbing over the fence and he has him dead to rights. He could shoot him, kill him, but he hesitates and um, ends up shooting in the air and screaming, which uh, to quote uh, Danny from Hot Fuzz, you've never pointed your gun in the air and said, ah, so uh, um, Keanu, uh, I think is solid in this movie. He's not the best Keanu, but he's definitely not Inferno. He was, he was definitely Keanu, though. Uh, yeah. They, I thought that was pretty funny because I forget what state he's from, but he's Ohio. Totally he's from Ohio. Ohio, that like California surfer. You know, I don't know the way he talks to me. Well, and they uh, all, all the surfers act like he's an outsider. <laughs> like, like, yeah, <laughs> they immediately can tell that he's not from there and he's not a surfer. And it's like, are you sure? Like, he's, he sounds, yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least like he's a stoner at the very least, right? I mean, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, He'll hook you up. But uh, Lori Petty um, is an actress who I have um, seen so many times, and it's it's she is so different from film to film. Like, um, if you're she if you're is. a fan of Orange Is the New Black, she's she was in a couple of the seasons. I don't think she's in. I know she's not in the first two. Um, I don't think the first two. I think she shows up in the third, and she might not be in the last season. Um, but she's in a couple, and she's super crazy on that show. Uh, she was Tank Girl, which I actually never saw Tank Girl. Oh, my gosh. I was about to say that I know that some people think that that movie is an abomination, but I enjoy that movie. so And I like her a lot. But that being said, I've never like read the graphic novel, so no. take that as you will. Um, she's in, in the Army now with Polly Shore, which is one of his lesser but still better than some of his other films um and she's actually i like her in that movie quite a bit um and then she was in something else i just watched um oh man i'm gonna i'm gonna blank on it but um i thought she was pretty great in this not perfect because she does get that kind of crazy angry going a little too quick i thought like when even like at the restaurant she's oh. a little too too snarky you know what i mean yeah, she's in A League of Their Own, too. Oh, that's what it was. I just watched that. It was on uh, yeah. HBO the other night, and I was rewatching it. Because that was the performance that I never identified who she was until I was older. Because like, I'd, oh. I'd watched League of Their Own so many times, and Kit, yeah. I know Kit, it never clicked that she was the girl from In the Army now, and then now, point break for me. Um, apparently, she's in Free Willy, which I don't remember. I saw Free Willy, but I don't remember that movie at all. Um but uh, she's yeah she's got quite a career. I haven't seen everything she's been in. She's done a lot of TV appearances. She's like on all the CSIs at some point, episode of ER, um, you know. But I really like her in both League of Their Own. I actually I love her in League of Their Own. Kit is a great character. Um, I love that movie. I, I I can't get enough of League of Their Own. Just everything about it works for me. Um, you know, um, I was thinking that she looks like such a baby in this movie such a baby um and i didn't realize like in you know like what years the other things had come out but this came out this was the first of her movies um well the earliest of her movies that i've seen so that would make sense yep yep yeah and she um her story arc is developed but not really like um i was go ahead sorry well no um Go, actually, you go ahead because I'm gonna go. I'm gonna make a big comparison with her as kind of the uh, centerpiece. I am. I was very confused about her relationship with Bodhi. 
Um, yeah, it, it was unclear uh, a few times. He does say that they dated. See, at first, when they first meet on the beach, and she's like, I know him, and he's, like, flirting and touching her. I thought they were in a relationship, and then I was confused later on because they're obvi- he's ob- she's obviously seeing Johnny, and it, I was just like, are they, is he a swinger? I don't know what's happening. The vibe I got was they probably fooled around a few times. Um, okay. Because he, remember, the we don't get an exact information of their backstory, but through Gary Busey's character, we're told that the surfers seem to follow the waves. And so he's only in this town like four months out of the year. And so he's probably been with her when he's there, but he never stays around long enough to be in a relationship. Um, and you saw like the party atmosphere was. It could have even been a drunk night kind of thing. And he tells Johnny later... That she never looked at me the way she looks at you or something like that. And not out of jealousy. Like, he never seems upset about it. That's not the character. Which, actually, that's something I really like about Bodie. Is he is very true to his, like, kind of zen character. Until everything starts to crumble around him. And then you you start seeing, like, he's not that zen. But he's still trying to put out there that he is. Like, even when things are going wrong, he's like, no, it's going to be okay. But you can tell he's thinking, like, everything's falling apart. Yeah, but I still think that everybody gets can be pushed to a point. Oh yeah, def- no, no, I'm not yeah. like, but it wasn't like it didn't feel an unnatural shift. I think is what I'm saying. Like sometimes a character will just change in the middle mm-hmm. of a film, and it's because the character that it didn't fit what they wanted the character to do now, and that's when a, a lot of action movies, especially they they don't they don't care about character development or staying true to a certain type of character as long as the character fits the needs of the scene. Um, and that's not the case with Bodhi. I think his, his progression into that is uh, believable because um, you're watching everything going wrong, you know? Um, and, okay, so the big comparison that I want to make is um, I saw Fast and the Furious in the theater when it first came out, the first movie, and... I enjoyed the first one. I won't lie. Like, I, I did... When they made the sequel, I didn't see it in the theater, and I think it was a while before I finally watched Too Fast, Too Furious, and I was never impressed. Um, my wife made me watch Tokyo Drift, and I've not seen any of them after that. Um, that said, I didn't realize, because I hadn't seen Point Break from beginning to end, that Point Break appears to be the inspiration for the premise of Fast and the Furious, except instead of surfboards, they're cars. Um, instead of bank robberies, they're high, you know, high speed, uh, semi truck robberies. But a lot of the way things, sh- the the plot moves is very much the way it does in Point Break. Um, Keanu has an idea that the robberies are being held by surfers, so he decides he needs to surf, and he meets a girl who um, is his entryway into the group of people. She's going to help him learn to surf. Now, when he first, uh, when we first see him talk to her, he orders a tuna on wheat. No, he doesn't. That's not true. He orders that later. Um, and there is a, I, I bring that up because the first time we see Paul Walker as Brian in Fast and Furious, he orders a tuna on white to the girl because she's working at a restaurant. And I did think the the choice of tuna by both of the protagonists was probably too, you know, too too big of a coincidence to ignore, in my opinion, because. The girl is um, his entry point. Now, uh, she'll later find out that they're an FBI agent and or a cop, and they get very mad, but both of the, the male protagonists 
say, no, no, no. It started off as a, as part of the job, but I fell in love with you. You know, like that happens in both of the movies. Okay, predictable. Either if, even if they weren't influenced by each other, but then the relationship with the big bad guy. He doesn't suspect Bodhi at first. Ryan never doesn't expect Dom at first. They end up becoming very close with these guys through uh, you know through the events. You know, um, Bodhi saves. Uh, Johnny Utah at a beach who's get, he's getting beat up by these three big surfer guys and Bodhi comes to his aid tries to back you know hey he's he's cool leave him alone and they're like forget you and they all fight and he they help each other Dom it's it's uh, the Asian gang shows up and shoots out Brian's car well actually the cops show up that Dom has to run Brian rescues Dom from the cops and then the Asian guys show up they shoot up the car blah 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 there's that bonding moment right for both the guys and both have that scene where the the cop has a chance to take down the big guy, but their their affection for them won't allow it. And then at the end of Fast and Furious, they street race and Dom gets in a bad wreck. And at the end of Point Break, Bodie goes on the big wave, right? Both could have ended the same way, although they chose not to end it that way with Fast and Furious, and they've made eight movies. So they made the right call because they've made so much money by not killing Dom off at the end of that first film. But there's definitely a lot of the beats are are the same for both of these movies. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and I would say, in many ways, Fast and Furious probably perfected it solely because, again, they've made eight movies and have made billions of dollars in revenue at this point. So... Um, have you ever seen Fast and Furious? A very long time ago. And when you like first mentioned the, me, that to me, I couldn't remember the story at all ah. for Fast and the Furious. But yes. Well, the biggest difference uh, to me is uh, Gary Busey's character. Because there isn't Brian doesn't have a, po- a partner that's helping him through it. And we get more of the procedural stuff with Point Break. You don't really get that much. I mean, he does have someone he reports to in Fast and the Furious, but it's it's just a few scenes and it doesn't take up as much time there's a lot of the cop work here in this movie um and man Busey says some funny stuff uh I'm not going to repeat all of the things he says but young dumb and full of a word that rhymes with dumb um he uh yeah uh. he uh one of them I think Keanu says something oh no Busey says something he's talking crap about his partner not realizing his partner's in front of him because he's got a blindfold no. on for these this really weird like training exercise where they dive into a pool and find bricks on the ground, um, but he says, "What is there an asshole shortage?" And Keanu's like, "Yeah, uh, it doesn't seem to be one or something." Yeah, um, and then you have uh, what's the McGinley's name? I always forget that dude's name. I can never keep up with it. Um, oh, I'm so bad with names in general. John C. McGinley, um, man, does he play that boss uh, asshole archetype to death? Like. He every scene he's in, he's just angry and talking crap, and it just really hits home the uh, superior um, archetype of that captain role where the everybody sucks. And um, I, man, I thought it was a little over the top throughout the film. Not bad, like over the top where it would detract from the movie. Just like I know McGinley's better actor than that. Like he could have been a little more nuanced. Um, maybe reacted only when it was necessary. And then at some point, you get to see Busey knock him unconscious. And it's just like, okay, he's fired now, right? And then um, what really threw me, because Keanu's under arrest because of the, uh, they made him participate in the bank robbery, but without the mask on. 
And so he's under arrest, which I'm like, okay, if they're going to arrest him for that, that's a little surprising because they knew he was working the case. They knew he was undercover. And he can explain to them that he's under duress, you know, that they're they're holding my girlfriend hostage. But um, yeah. Gary Busey knocks him out, takes Keanu into custody, but lets him go. But so he knows. Gary Busey knows the truth. But Gary Busey dies. And yet, Keanu is a free man at the end of the movie and still working for the FBI. I was a little surprised. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, the okay, so um, Bodie and him dive out of a plane. Lori Petty's safe. And they reunite, even though the last time they, see, they saw each other, she hated him because he, was, he lied to her. But now she still loves him or whatever. Okay, I'll, I'll accept that. She- shoot the gun in the house or yeah. something she, yeah like, she wild. shot his pillow bang, bang, bang. Yeah. <laughs> which i really yeah. like that scene because you see the gun in the shadow you don't know who's holding it and you see the the pillow shoot and him like freak out like oh my god and it's her not bodie because we all thought it was bodie at that point and it, it was she she found out that he was fbi and lost it um but yeah apparently uh being kidnapped for him made her love him again I guess. You know, maybe she just, her life flashed before her eyes. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but to be fair, he did kind of put her at risk. So. Well, yeah. I totally see what you're saying. I don't know. Maybe she was just happy to be free. I don't really know. It's it's kind of the the old archetype. You know, he he saved the princess, saved Save, the day, yeah. gets the girl kind of thing. Um, which I'm, I didn't used to care. It's starting to bother me, though, because it's, it is not only because, because it's, it's in so many stories and it is it's you know being the dad of a daughter i i don't want her to feel like someone has to rescue her um you know so like when i see it over and over again it does start to wear on me like man um do they always have to like because he could have rescued her that was that's the right thing to do he should rescue her it's his fault she's in that position but i don't know that she has to love him still you know what i mean like but so uh bodie leaves um which I thought was messed up because his dead friend is on the ground with the parachute blowing and he just leaves the body there. I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even really understand that. He wouldn't even let him help him. This uh, wasn't Johnny trying to help him in the plane. Yeah, he offered, but he didn't he didn't trust Johnny. And I, I don't know. I don't know what that whole thing. I mean, he might have just been overly positive or maybe he just saw that it was there was no no saving him and he was just trying to give him some peace of mind like everything's gonna be fine everything's gonna be okay um but Bodhi gets away at that time and then we cut to um australia and we see keanu and i assumed when we see him that he's he's on the run too that he's he can't go back because he's wanted for the connection with this group and go ahead I just, just back to that whole robbery scene. He's the only one without a mask. How would they not know? You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make sense. But totally, I wasn't expecting. And he looks disheveled at the end of the film, too. Like, long hair, just yeah. doesn't. He was so much more professional looking at the beginning of the film. So I totally wasn't expecting them to See, swoop in with him. Yeah, I, I assumed it was like Brian in Fast and Furious 2 when he's no longer a cop because he let Dom get away and he's kind of resorted to the life of crime that Dom was in in the first movie um, because of that. And that's what I thought we were seeing. I thought we were seeing him as a surfer, not necessarily as a life of crime, but that he's just committed his life to surfing now. And so he's like traveling and whatever, especially because like you said, he's got the long hair and he looks 
more like a surfer than he did at the beginning of the film when he was a clean-cut FBI agent. Um, and, I mean, he lost his partner. He's wanted, assumably, by the FBI. You assumed he would want, you know, so it, I, that's where I thought the film was going. But no, apparently he's been redeemed. He's back with the police, and they're here to get Bodie. And he gets Bodie, but he he lets Bodie take the, the big wave, this 50-year wave that he's been waiting for. And we assume Bodie's dead. Oh, he's not coming back. Yeah. Um, yeah, That the walk-off, he's not coming back, and the, the wave looks insane. Um, so uh, that's kind of the overall, you know, premise. And the, the ending's fine. I, um, I really liked... Um, oh, oh! I do want to talk the one of the the first kiss he has with Lori Petty when they're on the like in the in the dark in the in the waves, and he puts his hands on her legs and he's like goosebumps. Thought it was like the creepiest like, seduction <laughs> scene ever because he's he uh, it was so weird. He just, and he's just like goosebumps and then he just kisses her like the whole thing. I was like, oh, creepy Keanu. I don't remember ever yeah. thinking he was so creepy, but man. Um, I really thought that he was creepy on that scene. Uh, I do want to say I liked the heist sequences. I thought they were really well done. Um, heist might not be the best word, but I thought the bank robbery sequences. I um, thought it was crazy when uh, they switched cars um, during the chase one when you know Gary Busey and Keanu are chasing them, and he lights the car on fire with the gas pump, and like, yeah. that, that sequence was insane. Um even the very opening of the movie, the slow motion surfing, uh, the way the camera work is done, it's really pretty and it's it's very you know interesting. And then we meet Johnny Utah, um, and like the juxtaposition of him in like a suit versus like the free surfers. Like there's definitely a lot of stuff that can be taken out of this film. Um, it's smarter than your average action film, I think. Um, not by a whole lot, but I think there's there's visual storytelling and stuff in this movie that is superior to a lot of other action flicks. I, yeah, I would agree with that. Not that I watch a lot of action movies. I think you should watch a few more. They're, they're, they can be very entertaining. Um, yes, there's some big cheesy moments in this movie. Keanu Reeves has some line reads that are very Keanu Reevesian. Um, Patrick Swayze's ultra charming though, and it's, he's very likable. Oh. Yeah, and you can see why he would fall into Bodhi. Not entirely. Like, I don't know that you would, I could see why he wouldn't want to kill him though. You know, like you want to catch him. But you don't yeah. want to shoot him. Like, you don't want to end his life. Because, yes, he's robbing banks, but he's not... Like yeah, They they even say that they've never shot anyone. Yeah. All of these heists. And was it close to 30 or close to 40 that think, they've done so far? I think it was 23 as the number that I remember. Now, I could be wrong. I didn't type... Oh, no. I uh, 23 banks is official. I, re- I typed that out even. Okay. Um, so, it's they're not going in to hurt anybody. And they try to do it smartly, like... Every time but the last time, they don't ever go into the vault. Um, yeah, the last time's where he, he goes rogue. He's angry, and he lets... The, yeah. Goes wild. Yeah, and it's... Um, I feel like that was... There was probably, like, a build-up to that that we might have missed in, like, some dialogue. Maybe him talking about something. It could have even been representative of that 50-year wave. There's that that moment where everything just... You know, it's It's this massive... You know that was the under that was the point the point of the most pressure the the storm you know where he just lost control I'm not I feel like there's probably more to it because it was such a big thing Gary Busey pointed out that they would never go for the vault they just take the money from the drawers and for him to push the point to go into the vault didn't make any sense 
um, you know, he had the insurance policy. He had Keanu, well, Utah, like in his pocket for the moment. To push to the vault did not make sense. So I, I feel like there's got to be more than just being upset to make him do that, you know, because that was not they were still getting a lot of money, you know, going just uh, what the, the register drawers. to register or whatever. So the drawers. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd like I'm, I'm definitely going to watch this again. I, not like anytime soon. It's not there's a plenty of other movies I've never seen that I need to watch. Um, but like if it's on TBS or something, I'll definitely throw it on. Um, it's a movie I could see uh, easily uh, just kind of having on in the background, like if I'm working or something, um, you know, looking up for those key moments and then ignoring the kind of the downtime or the Keanu being Keanu moments that aren't so great. Um, there is a young John Wick moment to me, though, when he's uh, at the shooting range at the beginning of the film. And he's, oh, yeah. I was just like, oh, this is like young John Wick. I almost want to make where this is how he ends up as the assassin. Uh, like, yep. He's a badass. Yeah. 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 After the events with Bodie, he like retires from the FBI and he gets picked up by some the assassin crew and he learns and he becomes John Wick is his new name because Johnny Utah's stupid. And because um, yeah, uh, even the hair at the end of the movie looks like John Wick's hair, you know, the long uh, parted down the middle hair. Um, and I was like, oh, snap, it's John Wick's prequel. So John's creating his own universe. That's right. Okay. Catherine Bigelow needs to get in with the John Wick films <laughs> and we'll bring Bodie, uh, not Bodie back, but maybe Lori Petty shows up in, in John Wick 3. Uh, she's an assassin, too. Um, who knows? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's all sorts of things. Um, but, no, um, overall, I would say this is, uh, I'm going to say decent watch. I could probably go not quite Golden Pony Boy. And be content with that. So somewhere in the middle of those two um, is my rating for Point Break. What about you? I felt like this movie was much longer than it needed to be. Ah, I could agree with that. Um, they, I feel like that movie could have been like an hour and a half and we would have been good. I'm going to go with a decent watch. So you heard it here, folks. We both think it's the middle of the road uh, film. Not bad by any means. And again, for an action movie, I think there's some potentially deeper themes than you get in a lot of other ones. Like, there is there is character here. There is some development. We get a, an idea of who these people are. It does feel like it could be at least 10, 15 minutes shorter, if not 20 or 30. Um, so I, I can totally agree with that. So that leads us to the next question, Corey. I didn't ask you to because I, I, I wasn't really sure that you would be here. Do you have a movie picked out for next week? Well, that's a noise that I guess means no. <laughs> um, um, if that's, I look. Well, if it's okay, since I was planning on being a solo for three weeks because I thought you weren't going to have internet, um, I have several kind of picked out that I'm planning on watching, um, one way or whether they were going to be episodes or not. So what I kind of want to do, if you're okay with this, um, next week Annabelle comes out, and I've never seen Annabelle. Oh, no. I know you don't want to have to sit through it again, huh? Is that... Is I, that... S- I saw it in theaters. <laughs> well, we don't have to do that. I can watch it on my own. I'm actually... Dang it. We'll uh, just watch it. No, is it available to stream? No. And I'm also not... Uh, I'm not relying on seeing it to see... Because, one, it's a prequel. So, I don't care if there's oh. references. Um, so, let's not do that one. Let's not do Annabelle. Let's uh, let's talk. What, what are some movies that uh you were hoping to check out or you want to see um like is there any uh ryan reynolds or sam jackson movies that you've never seen that you're interested in um 
Like not that I can think of. You saw Deadpool last year, right? Yeah, I did. Um, IMAX. Oh, you even went to IMAX. That was probably unnecessary for that movie, but um, they just pull me in. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I, I mean, if it's I'm there, like, sure. let me take, let me give you my money. Um, I'm looking at his films. I he's not one of those actors that I'm like, oh my gosh, he's great, you know. But he was great in Deadpool. Hey, hold on now. Ryan Reynolds has done some good work. Like, have you ever seen National Lampoon's Van Wilder? No. It's a very funny movie. I don't know if it holds up. I did up. want to see Woman in Gold, and I missed that in theaters. I don't know what that is. Um, it's about a woman who's trying to get back a painting that um, was her family's, but I think it's in a museum or something. But you name a couple movies, and we'll choose one. Well, it doesn't, I it doesn't be- have to be them. Um, I was just thinking because they have the Hitman Bodyguard coming out in a couple weeks, um, and I really, you know, that looks really funny. And then I also very much want to see the uh, Logan Lucky um, with Channing Tatum and uh, oh. Adam Driver and the most important part, Daniel Craig playing a country guy um, who's going to help them rob a NASCAR race, um, like ticket booth or whatever. Um, that looks pretty funny. Let's see here. What what movies have I needed to watch that I own? I'm looking at my collection and I mean... I'd like to watch some of the Studio Ghibli films. We haven't really done... We did Coraline, but I don't think we've done any other animations. But I'm concerned that you won't be able to uh, get access to them quick enough. Mm. Um, since I don't believe they're streamable on anything. Even, like not even to rent? I don't believe so, because oh. Disney does not have a rental service, to my knowledge. And they're the American distributors for the Studio Ghibli films. Um, now... There's a movie that I've wanted to watch, and it would require us getting uh, most likely, and I'd have to. I haven't even checked to confirm that it's on there. Um, Filmstruck for the at least for the trial period, um, and that is uh, the seventh. Hold on, I gotta confirm. Is this the right one? Oh heavens! Yeah, this is the one. Um, the Seventh Seal. You heard of that? Um, I. It's an Ingmar it's... Bergman film. Um, it is only, Who's now, in it? uh, it's old, uh, 1957. So, um, I don't know that, you know, Max von Sydow, uh, Gunnar Bjornstrand and Ben Eggert. Ott. I don't know how to say any of those names. Um, I, th- I think I know Max von Sydow though, but, uh, it is an that- hour and 36 minutes only, um, 8.2. IMDb score, a man seeks answers about life, death, and the existence of God as he plays chess against the Grim Reaper during the Black Plague. That, okay, first of all, I'm, I like morbid things. I'm very interested in the Black Plague, but, um, I, it looks like we can run it on Amazon video. Oh yeah, worst case scenario for sure. We can. Um, it is a, uh, it is a Criterion film though, so that's why I think it's on Filmstruck. Um, I've not confirmed that it's on Filmstruck, but yeah, worst case scenario is we rent it on Amazon or uh, Vudu and check that out. So are you up for that? It's an older yeah, movie. All right. So we're going to do the classic, the seventh. I keep wanting to say the wrong thing and it's throwing me off. Seventh Seal is what this one is called. The Seventh Seal. He wanted to say like the seventh sign or whatever, and that's not the right name. Seventh yeah, Seal. Yeah, I was like, Demi um, This will be my first Ingmar Bergman film, a director who I've been meaning to get to for quite a while. Um, 
I know that a lot of people recommend Persona as his first uh, to the entry film, but I'm going to start with this one because the subject matter appeals to me quite a bit. Also, I am pretty sure that while I watch this, I'm going to get references of, um, well, I'm going to realize how much Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey pulled from this movie um, because they play all sorts of games against the Grim Reaper in Bogus Journey. And yep. so I know that it, I didn't know when I was a kid when I saw that, but I know as an adult that they, they must have pulled from this movie. So I'm very intrigued to see what uh, they might have directly pulled. Um, I know they're I know they're not going to play Twister in this, but they did in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. So um, it's a movie I've been wanting to check out for a few months, uh, particularly, but one I've heard of and always heard great things. So I'm looking forward to it. Now, granted, this is a uh, a classic film, and we haven't done too many of these, um, but it's something that we want to do because again. It's on my gap list. It's the film that I feel like I need to see as a film uh, lover, someone who wants to be uh, a film expert. So well, that's what we're going to check out next week on episode, I think, 32, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yep, episode 32. We'll be back with The Seventh Seal. Corey, thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Bye, guys. Peace, everybody. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. Brokerviews.com. <laughs>